Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 348. Thank you for listening and downloading once again. Really great to have you with us. Welcome too to our first-time listeners. We hope you become regular listeners. My name is Stephen Fennig. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. This week, Optus has named its first 50 5G sites. Is your suburb on the list? Dyson's revealed the first details of its electric car. And Huawei launches its new dual camera mode with its P30 smartphones. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the Mural Canvas, which brings the world's most famous artwork into your home. We'll also take a look at the latest record turntables as the vinyl revival continues and Samsung's new Galaxy A series affordable phones. And we'll wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, Optus has revealed its plans for its 5G rollout. They had a press conference a a few months ago down in Canberra. They're actually the very first 5G site was switched on in the Canberra suburb of Dixon. I was actually down there for the event and Optus uh, outlined their plans for 5G, which not only is going to help our mobile customers, but also our home broadband customers as well. At that event, they announced the availability of a 5G home broadband device that will for minimum guarantee of 50 megabits per second download speed. So for some of you that are suffering uh, with their with your NBN coverage, these this 5G connection could be quite significant because you could suddenly be getting a minimum of 50 megabits per second through Optus 5G. There is a, a way we'll talk about in a minute for you to register your interest when 5G is available in your suburb. But this rollout is going to take a while. It's not going to be completed for till till March 2020 where uh, Optus is saying they're going to have 1,200 5G sites completed by that date, March 2020. But they've identified those 50 areas across Sydney and Melbourne. So it's New South Wales and Victoria for our listeners around the country. These are the first 50 that will be connected to 5G ahead of the other 1,200 5G sites around the country. So it's not just Sydney and Melbourne that are getting 5G. The whole country will get it. It's just these are the first 50 sites. Uh, we're going we're gonna to name them right now. Optus has chosen 20 suburbs in New South Wales to begin with. And here they are. Is your suburb on this list? Listen very carefully. Alexandria, Castle Hill, Carlton, Dudley, Enfield East, Greystains, Kellyville, Macquarie Park, Marrickville, Mossman, North Borkham Hills, North Ride Business Park, North Ride, North Ride West, North Sydney Central, Oatlands, Panania, 
Riverside Corporate Park and Rydalmere. Those are the suburbs that are going to be the first to receive Optus 5G sites. Macquarie Park and North Ride, that's actually not far from the Optus campus. It's actually where the Optus campus is, so it's no it's no, uh, no surprise that they are going to get 5G straight away as well. But in Victoria, there are going to be 30 suburbs which will receive Optus 5G first. So if you're a Victorian, listed out for your suburb, here are the 30 suburbs that will receive Optus 5G. Abbotsford, Arthur's Seat, Braybrook, Brunswick, Campbellfield South, Coburg, Croydon South, Dandenong South, Fisherman's Bend, Geelong West, Greenvale Reservoir, Hopper's Crossing, Kensington, Laverton West, Maidstone, Mornington, Mount Martha, Mount Evelyn, Norlane, Noble Park South, Preston East, Research, Reservoir North, Rosebud East, Rye Central, Springvale South, Wanturna South, and Williams Landing. And, and don't worry, if you never heard that list clearly, you can take a look at the the whole list at Tech Guide. They are the first suburbs that will receive 5G. And for those interested, uh, Optus has also opened their expressions of interest for customers to be able to register and be among the first to experience that 5G speed I was talking about earlier. Optus made that commitment that anyone who signs up to their Optus 5G home broadband will be guaranteed a minimum download speed of 50 megabits per second. So uh, if there's a link on our store around Tech Guide where you can register your interest. If you are in one of those suburbs, you could be connected sooner rather than later. Still no sign of any, any mobile devices for us to use on Optus's 5G network. But I'd say in the second half of the year, there will be some. Telstra still promises they'll, be have, they'll have 5G up and running in the first half of 2019. There's only about seven weeks to go uh, in the first half of this year. So they better get their skates on. Optus, meanwhile, though, have outlined this plan, 1,200 5G sites across the ACT, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, South Australia and Western Australia by March 2020. That's March next year. That's less than a year away. And the, the network has also been constructed using Optus's multi-vendor approach. Uh, Huawei was one of the companies that had worked with Optus in the past, but they had uh, the government ruled them out of the bid, so now it's uh, Nokia and Ericsson that are helping uh, with their rollout. But for this first part of the rollout, I understand is Ericsson that's taking the lead there, and will be doing all that work to begin with. Exciting times! Five G is coming. It's nearly here for those uh, people living in those 30 suburbs in Victoria and 20 suburbs in New South Wales. Keep an eye for that, and don't forget, if you are in one of those suburbs, you can register to be included, uh, expression of interest if you want to be connected to their Optus 5G home broadband network. If you want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Now, when I mentioned the name Dyson, we've spoken about Dyson products 
many times on the Tech Guide podcast. And the first thing that comes to mind, naturally, uh, electric vacuum cleaners and uh, their hair dryers and various products that handle the movement of air and suction and all, all of these products. And we've spoken about the, the, the vacuum cleaners and all those things before in the past. But Dyson, did you know, are also building an electric car. They announced this about 18 months ago. They've, they've decided, you know what, we're going to build an electric car. We're not going to partner up with any other car companies or anything else. We're going to build an electric car from scratch. Now you got to remember, Dyson is an engineering company. So they're, they've developed all, all their products go through years of, of planning and testing and engineering. And they're using those skills, their innovative engineering, as a central principle now to bring this car to reality. Now, the interesting development uh, in the last few days is the fact that James Dyson, the company's CEO, actually uh, announced that the first patents covering some of the developments were about to be released. So ahead of that, the company decided to outline not exactly what is in the patents, but give people an idea of the direction where the Dyson electric vehicle is heading. Now, you've got to understand that Dyson has no history building motor vehicles. So the approach for existing car companies is to take their existing products and turn them into electric vehicles, something that Dyson says uh, is, is something obviously they're not doing. They're considering it and coming at it from a completely new direction. I'm going to read to you a short statement from James Dyson, and then we'll get into the details that, uh, that they've announced and what we can expect to see. 18 months ago, we submitted our first patents covering some of the developments we are considering in relation to the vehicle architecture, aerodynamics, and efficiency. They suggest some of the ways in which this vehicle could differ from the status quo and depict a vehicle which has been developed from the bottom up, built with range and efficiency in mind from the outset. So it's obvious from, from that that they are taking this approach where they're, they're considering obviously the two most important things for an electric vehicle is range and battery efficiency. So an efficiency for the battery is would, would help if the car is more aerodynamic and built in a certain way that's going to make that battery power last longer. Dyson has experience in battery power as well, don't forget. There's batteries in all of their vacuum cleaners. In fact, a couple of years ago, they announced they were not going to make a corded vacuum cleaner ever again. So they've got a lot of confidence in the batteries that they're producing for their vacuum cleaners. They've just got to ramp that up and increase the scale of that production and size to include in their electric vehicle. So with all that in mind, and with these patents that have been released, here is some of the information that we've gleaned from these announcements. The first announcement is around the wheels of the car. Now, the patents reveal a vehicle with very large wheels that offer a low rolling resistance and high ground clearance. So what it appears from the sketches, and the sketches that are included on our story aren't the actual vehicle, but just gives you an idea of the, the measurements and the scale. What we can see from here, the wheels have a size, a diameter, that will make them between 45 and 55% of the vehicle's height. 
Now you listen, think about that for a second. There, if if you we look further down through the patents, they're estimating that the vehicle will be up to one point eight meters tall. So if the wheel is between forty five and fifty five percent, you're looking at a wheel that's almost a meter tall. So this is for a few reasons. Obviously, they want this vehicle to be able to handle rough terrain as well as normal city driving on roads. But having a larger wheel will help increase range and battery efficiency. And the wheels, according to the patents, will be very close to the front and back of the vehicle. So it'll be easier and and more highly maneuverable and allow for a larger approach and departure angle. So turning circles and being able to get in and out of parking spaces will be um, a little bit easier as well if the wheels are right near the front and right near the back of the car. The wheelbase length is likely to be about 3.335 metres long, and the vehicle itself, they're saying, will be between 4.7 metres and 5 metres long. They haven't specified exactly what it'll be because it's still a couple of years away. But that's still a big car, 4.7 metres up to 5 metres long. That's a decent-sized vehicle. Now, Another important part, of course, massive thing for Dyson, the focus of a lot of their products is, is obviously design. This, the, the engineers come up with the, with the designs and uh, the, the, the designers actually come up with the designs, then the engineers take a look and then between them, they come up with the final product. It's exactly the same process for the car. It all starts with the nose of the car, the, the front of the vehicle, which they say is going to be less than 2.7 square metres. So it, it's a relatively small nose of the car to improve the aerodynamics. Now, I mentioned before that the height of the car is going to be between 1.6 metres and 1.8 metres with the windscreen inclined at an angle of between 25 and 30 degrees. So it's actually quite steep. And then as it merges into the roof line, that is pretty steep. So reading between the lines, and this is also mentioned too within the the, the documents, the driver will be sitting in a more reclined position. So if you, if you sit upright in a car, you're going to have to build a taller car. But how Dyson looks at it here is that the driver will be at a more inclined position, and so that way it'll allow them to have a steeper windscreen to improve that that aerodynamic performance. The other thing that, that also the car shows, there are designs that have both side mirrors, and there's another design that's uh, omitted the side mirrors. So having having the side mirrors, not having side mirrors, but it would also reduce drag and improve that aerodynamic performance, uh, as well as provide a bit of a cleaner profile for the car. And if you don't have side mirrors, what's going to that what's going to replace that uh, is a camera system. So rather than you looking at a mirror, there'll be a camera showing you the view that the mirror would normally show you. So. A camera is a lot smaller than a side mirror, so that they really go for that more sleeker, more aerodynamic look, and that much cleaner profile. Now, obviously, the motor and the battery are again areas where Dyson have had some experience. The motors in their vacuum cleaners are continually improving their efficiency, how how fast they work. So they've already got a, a lot of runs on the board in terms of their motor development. So what they all they need to do now is to increase the size of those motors and just ramp up the scale 
so that it will be suitable for their vehicle. So they've already got proprietary motor and battery technology using their existing research and development team. So what's going to happen is this is going to be taken in a whole new direction to, to, to modify that so it's usable in an electric vehicle. Another thing that we've noticed too with the size of the car, that larger wheelbase will work in two ways. It'll give the ability to have a larger battery, which is generally in an electric car where the battery sits is between the, the axles of the, of the uh, wheelbase. So having a wider wheelbase, so those, remember I said the wheels are right near the front and right near the back of the car, that's going to allow a larger battery uh, in, inside that wheelbase. The other, the other benefit of having that larger wheelbase is more room inside the car. So instead of having the wheels more towards the center of the vehicle, that's going to impede on the space inside the car. But if they are pushed more to the front and the back of the vehicle, that's going to open up a lot of space in the cabin and give us a lot more room to move inside. Now, in terms of the, the battery and, and motor performance, these all work hand in hand and obviously battery performance, range, these are going to be critical factors to uh, give, give this car a chance of working in the market. If it doesn't, if it has rubbish range, not many people are going to want to buy it. But if it, if it engages that aerodynamic design and the, the battery efficiency, then it's going to have a range that's going to be attractive to customers. You've got to also remember, Dyson's also very experienced when it comes to air treatment, air movement, purification, heating and cooling, as well as vision systems and software. So yes, they've only been producing vacuum cleaners and the odd hairdryer, but there's a lot of that technology that can be utilised in the production of this vehicle. Now, we're not going to see the Dyson electric car until 2021, so we've still got a couple of years to wait, but a very exciting glimpse of what we can expect to see once the Dyson electric vehicle hits the road. I had a very funny comment on our Facebook page when I posted this story to Facebook. They, the comment said, well, one thing we can hope about the Dyson electric car, we hope it doesn't suck. You get that. I hope it doesn't suck like their vacuum cleaners. I think that's what he meant to say, but very funny. I thought that was. If you want to read our full story, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Now, Huawei have uh, done a tremendous job with their P30 and uh, particularly the P30 Pro, which I've been using for a couple of months now. Uh, and the camera, which we've already spoken about on the show, is is second to none. It is it is the best smartphone camera I think you can find in the world right now. And they've just added a whole new feature. This dual view camera mode has just been activated. And for those who have already purchased their P30 or P30 Pro, they can run a system update, uh, and that was from late last week, from Friday. That once they run that update, then they can ha- uh, enjoy this camera, the dual view camera mode. For those who bought their device through Telstra, Optus, and Vodafone, they'll have to wait till later this week, May fifteen, before they can access this new software upgrade, which will enable this dual view camera mode. So, what is dual view camera mode? Well. Uh, the camera will allow users to create split-screen videos. So what's going to happen? It's going to use the phone's primary camera and the zoom lens at the same time. So what you see on the screen is you'll have a wide-angle view, 
that'll be there constantly. Then there's going to be the zoom angle, which you can then manipulate. You can go between two times zoom and up to 15 times zoom on that on that video as well uh, or, or photo that you want to take. So you capture the wider view with more of the background and all the surrounding objects and everything around it. But then at the same time, you can be zooming in or out on your subject on the split screen at the same time. That's really handy. The other closest thing I've seen to this before, I can remember, and I can't remember what, it was an Android device that allowed you to film yourself from the front camera while you're filming something through the back camera. So I think it did a little picture-in-picture where you could look and react to whatever you were watching uh, and then actually film what you're watching at the same time. So that that's existed before. That's kind of the closest thing that I've seen to this. But this is this is a, a slightly different with the dual view. So from the both from two of the back camera lenses as well. So you got the vo- the wide and the ability to zoom as well. Really interesting development. I think it just I think when people buy a phone, they obviously they're attracted to the quality of the camera and any update that can improve the uh, the efficiency of that camera and features of that camera, if they're going to add to the features of the camera, uh, that's attractive as well. And and I don't think Huawei's even going to stop here. I, I think that they've got a few other tricks up their sleeve with making this camera even more useful moving forward. Really interesting. For those of you who uh, maybe want to read our P30 Pro review, you can find that at Tech Guide. We've also written about the dual view camera mode and what it might look like as, as with the split screen, as that suggests. You can see on the left side of the screen is more the wide angle. Uh, and then on the right side of the screen is your zoom area where you can zoom in and out as you choose. So you're looking at both at once, split screen down the middle. So it's got a big screen anyway. So there's plenty of room to, to see what you're looking at, what you're filming or what you're taking a photo of. Uh, but a uh, really easy way to do that now with the dual view camera mode. And the the P30 Pro has already won the uh, the award for best smartphone camera by DxO Mark, if you can recall. We've written about that on Tech Guide as well. So Huawei doing a great job there with the P30 Pro. There's a lot of uh, marketing behind it. I see it on TV, advertised every uh, every little while, and a lot of billboards and things. And uh, from what I'm hearing, it's doing pretty well. A lot a lot of people snapping that one up. If you want to read more about the Huawei P30 and the P30 Pro dual view camera mode, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton, the company that can protect you and your family online. Now, we live in a world where hackers are constantly finding new ways to steal your personal information. And because we spend so much time online, it's quite possible we could find ourselves in a cyber criminal's sites. The Norton team is dedicated to keeping people safe online no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying your bills on your phone or shopping on your tablet or banking on your laptop, Norton Security Premium is working hard behind the scenes to help keep your information, your identity and your devices protected. For more information on how to protect your digital life, visit au.norton.com. And now a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Alrighty, first up, we're going to be talking about the Mural Canvas. 
Mural is a company that was bought out by Netgear, who happened to be one of our sponsors. But so they're they're now uh, in the Netgear family of companies. The Mural Canvas, so that's Mural spent M spelt M E U R A L. So Mural, uh, this is a digital frame that allows you to enjoy the world's best artwork at home. It works a lot kind of on a subscription basis where you get three years free subscription to the mural service. And through that service, which is accessible through the companion app, you're able to look through various museum collections and think, okay, I might, I might look at that curated collection from the Louvre or the Philadelphia Museum of Art or a type, a particular artist and then send that to the mural canvas. Now, the canvas itself, it's a 27-inch matte screen, so it's not glossy. It's a matte screen that allows – the reason it's matte is because it gives it the the artwork. It, it, it makes the artwork look like you're looking at the actual piece of art. So if it was glossy, you could it would it would sort of take away from that realism. Because it's matte, there's not as much reflection. It allows you then to enjoy the texture of the artwork, right down to the brush strokes if you're looking at a painting. So it really gives you the idea that you're looking at a, a, an object rather than a file. It looks, looks like you're looking at the painting or the photo rather than a digital replication of it. So the 27-inch the display uses their true art technology. So the apart from it being non-reflective, it really renders each, each work of art faithfully so that you think you're looking at the actual thing, the real thing, uh, right down, as I said, to those brush strokes. The app uh, allows you, as I said, to access playlists and various things, just like think Spotify, but for art. So if you have, uh, I downloaded for my review the Louvre curated collection. I was in Paris a few a few weeks ago and actually saw a lot of these artworks with my own eyes, the real ones. And I thought, naturally, I've got to get the Louvre uh, collection in there. And there's 49 works curated from the Louvre that are displayed on my mural canvas here. And it's displayed like a slideshow so that it goes through, it displays a photo for a few minutes and then changes to the next one and so on. Uh, so you and you can get right up close to it and look at it and you can see all the detail and like on the Mona Lisa is a good example. You can get right up close to it and see the little cracks in the paint that's on, on the subject's face. Because when you see the Mona Lisa, the real Mona Lisa, you're back about five metres behind a bollard and the painting itself is encased in glass. It's a big glass case. So you're looking not only through the glass, but five metres back. It's very hard to get a close-up look at it. But with Mural, you're able to get right up close to it and find out information about it as well. Now, how you navigate through the the frame itself and the app allows you another way to navigate. But if you're standing in front of the painting, in front of the mural, you can use gesture control. So there's a sensor just below the image. Now I, I mounted the mural in portrait mode, so it's uh, that's lengthways. So it's it's deep, like you hold your phone. That's portrait mode. You can also mount it landscape mode. So you turn it on its side, and, and it's, it allows you to have the wide works of art. Mural knows exactly how it's orientated through the built-in accelerometer, so it can tell how things should be. 
there will be a mount that is going to be sold with the mural so that you mount it on the wall. And everything comes with it, by the way, the, the, the wall mount, the, the, the movable mount, you've got to buy that separately. But in the box comes the mount, the screws, the little, little spirit level to make sure it's straight. All of, that, all of that stuff is in the box. But this new mount that's coming allows you to mount it in, uh, on the wall and then f- allows you then to twist it to portrait mode or back to landscape mode, however you want. So you're able then to change it up a bit and enjoy more of those works of art. So the, the app itself is a really easy way to control it, but there is that gesture control as well. So right below the screen, whether you're hanging it on landscape or portrait mode, so if you're hand, hanging it landscape mode, so right in the middle of the, of the, of the bottom of the image, or and if you're on portrait mode, the bottom of the image, at the, the short end of the, of the frame, there is a sensor that allows you to use little swipes left and right to navigate through the paintings. If you swipe upwards while the, a certain painting is displayed, it will then show you the name of the painting, when it was painted, and some information, a little potted history about the painting. And then when you finish, you just swipe down and that disappears. To access the menu, you can do the same thing, and you can you can access use gestures to go down through the menu system uh, and control the whole thing. You can also, of course, do it through the app, uh, and it also now works with Amazon Alexa. So if you've got uh, an, an Echo speaker, you can link it up and then ask Mural to display my Louvre collection or display my Musée d'Orsay collection or whatever you collections you happen to have, and they're all accessible through the app. Whether you want to access the collections or a particular artist or even photographs speaking of photographs you can even put your own photos up on the mural canvas as well i've put in my review you see the picture there of my wife and i in paris i put a little collection of photos together and it scrolls through your photos like a big digital photo frame uh, as well and the photos came up really nice so the the the, the quality of the image is not lost, even on that large size it, it looks terrific as does all the artwork as well now, there's also a special sensor built into the display so that it can look, it can be adjusted to the lighting in that particular room. So if it's particularly bright, it can adjust it. If it's a little bit darker, it can adjust as well. And then when you turn the lights off in the room or when it's dark, if it's, say, it's in an open area of the house and everyone goes to bed and it's darkness in the house, the, uh, the canvas actually turns off. And so it's smart enough to know that if there's if it's dark, there's no one around, I'm going to shut down. Then the minute you turn the light back on, it's going to pop back on again and then go through whatever you happen to be displaying. Really interesting concept. If, if you're into art, if you love artwork, and it's really given me a new appreciation for art, uh, being able to learn a bit more about it, learn about particular artists and particular movements and styles and various things like that. If you're into art and appreciate that, even and excellent photography as well, there's great fo- photography, great photos you can access, National Geographic photos and all these famous photographers, their works can be on your wall through this mural canvas. Uh, re- really nice, really smart product. So if you, uh, it's available in three colours too. So there's a, it comes with the 27-inch screen and there's a white frame around the screen. Then you can get either a black frame a white frame or a walnut frame. They're all the same price, but it just gives you the choice. Uh, All 27 inches as well. So uh, really interesting new product that is something you can, I think, over the years, 
grow to appreciate. I think if you're if you're into art anyway, I'd say this is a no-brainer for you to buy. Uh, it, it is uh, something that is going to improve over time as more of the artworks are, are, are gathered together within the app. I think they said that if you were to buy a mural frame today, you can access more than $3 billion worth of artwork. So you don't have to buy your own art. You can just display a little little copy up there on the the museum on the mural canvas, which is very very handy. It's priced at one thousand one hundred and ninety nine dollars, and with that, you also get the three year uh, membership to for you to be able to access like an all you can eat to all the collections and and anything that comes up through the app, you'll be able to access and display up on the canvas. Setup's really easy to, the app takes you through it. It connects to the actual canvas itself, which then asks you to to connect to the Wi-Fi network. And then once it's all connected, once everyone's on the same network, it's really easy to control. But setup is really simple. So if you've got a real appreciation of art, I think this is a bit of an investment that will that will really surprise and delight over the years and bring all of those world-famous works of art right there into your home. Mural, it's priced at $1,199. And if you want to check that at our complete review, you can read that at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Well, next up, we're talking turntables. The vinyl revival has is continuing. It's uh, it's been an amazing few years for vinyl. The demand for the format continues to improve year on year, and artists are re-releasing albums. New uh, new albums are being released not only on CD but also on vinyl as well. And ask any audiophile; they'll tell you that the what they call the perfectly imperfect sound is vinyl. So it's, it's got great high fidelity, so sounds really nice and really warm, rich sound. I think there's one, the one advantage, I think audiophiles are really attracted to vinyl because they can kind of hear the sort of cold and sterile sound of digital sound. That, that's what you're getting with CD, what you're getting with streaming music. That, the, that lack of warmth is, what draw, is what's drawing people back to vinyl. Not only that, a lot of the younger listeners who probably weren't born when vinyl was popular are also now discovering how good vinyl actually sounds. And they're the people who are making the investments, not only buying the albums, but also buying the turntables as well. We're going to go through them in a moment, but it's surprising to see that in 2018, the year-on-year growth of vinyl sales grew by 23%. That's incredible. And one out of every 10 physical music formats sold in 2018 was vinyl. So it, it is really enjoying this amazing resurgence. So what we've done on Tech Guide, you can read these on the website. We've put together like a, a good, better, best look at the latest turntable. Starting with the most expensive, the Cambridge Audio Alva TT. This is 2799 bucks, so 2799 This is your higher-end turntable. So uh, if you've got a bit of money to spend and you want to hear that really good sound, this would be the one you to go for. What's attractive about this also, it's the world's first turntable to include aptx hd for wireless high resolution streaming which is basically hd bluetooth so you can connect this not only with a cable to your amp 
You can also stream it to a Bluetooth speaker. Similarly, you can connect the spe- the turntable with a cable to a speaker and then listen through a Bluetooth speaker as well. You can't do both. You can choose one either connect it wirelessly to a speaker and listen on your wireless headphone or listen on a on your your headphones with a cable or vice versa you can connect it to the amp with a cable and listen wirelessly on your headphones uh, really cool this is uh, a the higher end product has that really the 50 years of British audio engineering behind it so a lot of expertise has gone into it Uh, really really nice turntable next uh, next down is the Riga Planar 1 Plus this is 699 bucks and I've got to say plenty of bang for your buck here for those who uh, want something that's not going to break the bank but that's not the really the bottom cheapest model you can buy again uh, renowned audio UK audio experts have helped to make this a product that's got a real true plug and play characteristics as well you don't need an external amplifier with this you can just connect it straight to the speaker of your choice to enjoy that really nice quality vinyl experience you'll be up and running in seconds it's got a shielded tone arm that's soldered directly to the turntable so it prevents any of those unwanted vibrations and no resonance as well Sony, uh, they've got the PSLX310BT. This is only $299. And a, a real, a really smart turntable as well. Also has Bluetooth built in so you can wirelessly stream your music to your wireless speakers. It's got an aluminium tone arm that can be, find the beginning of a track automatically. If you try doing that on a record player, it's pretty hard. The LX310BT can do just that. And if, look, if, if money's a bit tight and you don't want to break the bank, there is a model available from JB Hi-Fi called the Flea Market Suitcase Turntable. It's called the Suitcase because it looks like a suitcase. When it's closed, there's speakers built into this product as well. So built-in speakers uh, can connect to an external speaker if you want through the RCA stereo output jacks, but there's also a 3.5mm headphone jack if you just want to listen to yourself. Uh, It plays all the records, 33s, 45s, and 78s, and when you're done, folds up like a suitcase so you can carry it around. So these these are some of the turntables that we've looked at on Tech Guide. Vinyl is is making a comeback or continuing to make its comeback. It, it's the time for those of you old enough to remember vi- having a vinyl album, listening to an album. It's not like today where you can just pick and choose l- singles from various artists to play playlists and all those sorts of things. Each album took you on a little journey. And because it was vinyl, you couldn't just walk around and do other stuff. Today, with with our digital music and our streaming services, I think 99 times out of 100, we're doing other things while we're listening to the music. We're on a bus or on a run or in the gym or whatever we happen to be doing. We're doing other things. With a vinyl turntable, you have to sit down and listen to it. You, 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 you're listening on purpose to this this album and i think that that's another reason why audio files are attracted to this format and, and probably have never left since cds and streaming music came into play later on but vinyl it's back and looks like it's here to stay and if you're interested in buying a turntable you should should check out our suggestions at techguide.com.au Alrighty, next up, Samsung have come to the party with some new phones, and these are the Galaxy A series of smartphones. Very stylish, very nice screens, 
very nice cameras, but at affordable prices. The cheapest is just $279. And then they go all the way up to $649. So you got the A70, the A50, the A30, and you're starting with the A20 at just 279 bucks. And we'll start with that one. It's got a 6.4-inch Infinity V high-definition display. It's got a 13-megapixel rear camera, 8-megapixel front camera, and a fingerprint reader on the back with a 4,000 milliamp-hour battery. So as we go through these various models, you're going to see that things like the camera improves, the battery capacity uh, improves, the quality of the screen improves. So there's a real, you can see the progression up through the grades. You're paying more for a slightly better screen, slightly bigger battery, slightly faster processor. So it's really easy to see which one would suit you. Do you really need the 799 model? Can you get away with the 379 model or the 279 model? The 379 model is the A30 sort of 6.4-inch display, 16-megapixel dual-camera system on the back, 4,000 milliamp-hour battery as well. Moving up to the A50, that's $499. That comes with the 6.4-inch Infinity U display, and then suddenly you've got a 25-megapixel triple-camera system. Uh, This is like the A70, which is the top of the line, also includes an optical in-display fingerprint reader, 4,000 milliamp battery, and 15-watt fast charging. Now, the A70, which is $649, not $799. I think I mentioned $799 earlier. That's not right. $649 is the top price you'll pay for a Galaxy A phone. It's the A70. This has a larger 6.7-inch Infinity U display, the largest in the range. It's also got a 20 by 9 display, the aspect ratio, uh, really thin bezel, so the screen appears to go edge to edge. So that's why you're paying a little bit more for this phone. It's got a slightly better design, slightly better screen, slightly bigger screen, but it's also got much better cameras too. 32 megapixel front and rear lenses and also includes a depth lens so you get those beautiful depth of field focus shots which you can actually adjust uh, that degree of blur in the background after you've taken the shot. There's also an 8 megapixel ultra wide lens and a scene optimizer so it enhances every shot you take. It's also got a really big 4,500 milliamp hour battery, the in-screen fingerprint reader, and 25 watts super fast charging as well. So you can really see clearly why each model is slightly more expensive or slightly cheaper through that selection. And all of those details, by the way, the specs of every one of the phones, the A70, the A50, the A30, and the A20 are all listed on Tech Guide. So you can see for yourself what uh, what's available you can see the colors that are available as well really nice good looking phones that not everyone needs to buy a flagship device i think this proves that uh that there's plenty on offer here for people on a budget if you want to you, you just don't can't see yourself using all the features of a really expensive phone that this is definitely an option for you if you want to read all about the galaxy a series devices you can check that out at techguide.com.au This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand, and they're also issuing a challenge 
They're issuing the Orbi Home Wi-Fi Challenge, as a matter of fact. If you buy an Orbi Home Wi-Fi system and it doesn't improve your wireless network, they will give you your money back. And there are people, our friends at Netgear tell us, not one single customer has asked for a refund. That's how good they are. The Orbi Wi-Fi systems are designed for any size homes to give you coverage wall-to-wall every corner of your house. No more dead zones, no black spots, just better Wi-Fi across the board. Today's modern household needs a great Wi-Fi. The, this Orbi tri-band Wi-Fi system lets you stream all your favourite movies in 4K, play all your online games by providing an ultra-fast Wi-Fi no matter how many devices are connected. And Orbi plugs into your existing modem. Really easy to set up too. A couple of clicks and you're up and running. And not only does it work great, it also looks great too and blends in with your home's decor. Orbi's the easiest, fastest, most expansive and advanced mesh Wi-Fi network available today. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Couple of quick questions on the Tech Guide Help Desk. The uh, first question is about Netflix, and there was a problem with a uh, one of our readers has an older TV uh, and was struggling to sign out of his Netflix account because he was buying a new television. Uh, Netflix has several licenses, but of course you want to be able to use as many licenses as you can. You don't want to leave one behind on your TV, although I think if you were to reset the TV to its factory settings, that would probably knock out your, your Netflix connection. But here's another solution. If you're having trouble signing out of a particular device or TV, go to your web browser and then log into your account. So if you go to the top right-hand corner on the browser, uh, click the down arrow, and then click on Account, and that will take you to your your settings page, so all the different things about your membership and your plan. And there's also a section called Settings. At the very bottom of the settings, uh, of the list of in the settings, is an is a choice called Sign Out of All Devices. So for this particular instance, you'll be able to click on that, and it will sign you out of all your devices, whether it's a TV, a phone, a tablet, whatever you happen to be logged into, it will sign out of all of them. So uh, no more hassle trying to get your TV to, to uh, play ball with you there and try to sign out of that uh, device, the TV. You can do, do that really easily through the website. The other question is about the IQ4. And who hasn't got an IQ4? There's a lot of customers who are uh, really uh, enjoying their IQ4. It's got the, you know, the 4K channel, and I've actually got it myself, and I really enjoy watching it. I'm a massive Game of Thrones fan, so uh, being able to watch Game of Thrones has been really good. Uh, one question we had from uh, one of our readers was, can I send my IQ4 signal to another room? I get asked this question so often, and... There are wireless transmitters that are available. You can technically do this. You can send the signal from one room to another. But I found that these products need a line of sight to transmit the signal. If you're going through walls and from one end of the house to the other, forget it. Uh, I reviewed one that needed line of sight and it pretty much had it and Still didn't work. It was on the TV that was uh, receiving the signal. Uh, it was the signal would freeze every thirty seconds, and it just just was was not a good experience. My answer to anyone who wants to share the signal to another TV, you really need a splitter. 
and you need a very, very long cable. Uh, you so to get, if you were to get, say you need to run a cable from, say you got uh, in a in a bedroom, say your lounge room is down the hall from your bedroom, you could run a HDMI cable to the other TV, maybe take it up in the roof, then drop it down into the bedroom or however your house happens to be, and. What you'll need is not only the HDMI cable, a good quality HDMI cable, because you might want to uh, to transmit the 4K channel. What you'll also need, though, at the box is a splitter. So the splitter will, so the cable will come out of your Foxtel box uh, into the splitter, and then the splitter will take one connection to the TV where the IQ4 is located. So that's business as usual, and then the other the other cable. So in. Uh, Cable goes in one end of the splitter. Two cables come out the back of it. One goes to the TV in the room with the IQ4. The other cable would be the long cable that goes to your other room. Now, you've got to remember, if you are, if you do happen to achieve that, you've got your splitter, you've got everything in place, you've got to remember there's only one box. So you whatever your channel is being watched on the box is what you're going to watch in the other room. So if you want to change channels, you've got to kind of get an infrared repeater or a Bluetooth device to be able to change the channel. So you'll have to get up, change a channel, or sing out to someone, change it to the sports channel, whatever you want to do, because uh, the IQ4 actually uses Bluetooth to connect the remote now, not infrared. So that's an issue if you an infrared repeater is not going to do the trick to remotely change the channel. There's going to have to be a Bluetooth, uh, a Bluetooth involved to change that from the other room. So that just presents just another level of difficulty to try get that signal to the other room. I hope that makes sense. Uh, it is possible, uh, just really hard to do, uh, a lot of work involved. But then when you have it, you've got to remember there's only one box. So whatever, whoever's got the remote is king. Whatever they're switching the box to is what you're watching in both of those rooms. Uh, we've written about the IQ4 plenty of times. We're enjoying it. 4K channel is fantastic, especially when we're watching sport. 4K sport is awesome. Uh, if you want to read about their IQ4, we've uh, written about it many times at techguide.com.au. And that is the end of our show for this week. Everything we've spoken about, of course, is at techguide.com.au. So feel free to head over to the website, check out all those stories. If you want to get in touch with us too, uh, hit us up on VoiceBite. Hit the record button in the middle of our site and uh, record your voice. We'll answer your, we'll play your question, so your voice on the podcast, and then answer your question on the Tech Guide help desk. You can also send us an email if you're more comfortable doing that, info at techguide.com.au, but preference will go to the VoiceBites, of course. A special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and a shout-out, too, to Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thank you for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.